Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hi, everyone. Welcome to Season 3, Episode 10 of Seeking Witchcraft. As always, I'm your host, Ashley, and today I'm going to be talking about red flags that you may encounter in potential covens. I feel like it's been forever since I've done a solo episode, but here we are. (laughs) I think this topic is something that's super important for people to know about because while there are some absolutely wonderful people in the witchcraft, Wiccan, and overall pagan and occult communities, that does not mean that we're unfortunately not immune to people who are predatory and honestly in this for the wrong reasons. In this episode, I'm going to be pointing out a list of red flags, but I'm also going to be discussing some things that are not red flags. Of course, keep in mind that your mileage may vary, and this is just a general guide for seekers to be aware of. There may be things not mentioned on this list or things I say that may not apply to every situation, which I'll give some examples on a little bit later in the episode. But these are some things just to keep an eye out for. I'll also be giving some information on how you can try to figure out the validity of the person and their coven. So before I begin, I just want to give a heads up that I'm going to be hosting a massive giveaway for the listeners in honor of reaching 1 million plays. 1 million plays, guys. That's crazy. (laughs) So thank you all so much for listening. I, wow, a million plays. That's insane. Um, Super, super honored and proud. But yes, I'm going to be hosting a huge giveaway. If you're interested in finding out more about this, stick around at the end of the episode where I'll discuss this a little bit later. So, all right, I'm going to go ahead and begin with the red flag. So I want um, everybody to keep in mind that when I'm going through this list, this list is talking about both the coven leaders and the coven members themselves. So you should keep in mind that you're vetting all of the coven combined, not just the leaders. All right, well, The first red flag is going to be if you are talking with a coven and you are going to meet up with them, one of the biggest red flags is that they don't want to meet you in a public place and they are insisting that you come to their home. Now, with corona, this may be a little bit different. Back in the day, people used to meet at Starbucks, at breweries, at bookshops, at witch stores, what have you. Uh, if If they are insisting that you come to their house, that could be a red flag. I have known some people who have gone to the house of their now coven and it all worked out okay for them, but gotta be safe, guys. Uh, I would recommend meeting them publicly. With Corona, this could be a little bit different. I would recommend maybe doing a video chat with them, but if they are insistent they don't want a video chat with you, they don't want to meet you in a somewhat public area like a park or something like that, and they are insisting that you come to them, yeah, that's a massive red flag. Another red flag is people not telling you who they are and what their name is or anything about themselves. If you're trying to meet up with this person, you need to know who you're meeting up with. You need to know their first name. You can't be expected to go meet up with them at a restaurant and go tell the hostess that you're meeting up with the person under the reservation, Lady Moonstar, okay? That's just not going to fly. If I'm meeting up with somebody in public, somebody who's claiming that they do witchcraft, I better know what their first name is, and I better kind of have an idea about who they are and their background. If they're that mysterious and they're not going to tell you their first name, eh, 
that's a little bit of a red flag. Now, I will clarify this by saying that people do have craft names and these will be used on postings or listings on different websites like Mandragora Magica, which you can use to find a coven. But that is completely different from having a public listing versus having a private conversation with somebody that you actually are going to meet up with in person. You need to know a little bit about this person that you're going to go meet up with, at least their first name. The third thing is that it's also a little sketch if they tell you to not tell people where you're going to meet them or even telling you that you can't tell your spouse where the coven meeting is happening if you are involved in the coven or if you're in their outer court training. Out of safety, you should probably tell somebody where you're going. Yes, I understand that people want to keep coven steads a little mysterious and, you know, they don't really want outside people to know this type of information. It's important to at least let at least one person know where you are going, okay? Because if you don't know this person's name, you don't know anything about them, and you're getting invited to go to their house and go do witchcraft in their attic or their basement, yeah, you should probably tell somebody where you're going. And if they are telling you to not tell anybody, major, major, major red flag. Um, yeah, use your intuition. Be smart. That's a red flag. This next red flag is that if you are training with somebody, if they tell you that in this training, you are not allowed to talk or associate with any other pagan groups, that is a red flag. All right, let me break this down for you. When you are starting out in a training group, you may be asked to not associate with other groups or covens or training, whatever, while you begin in this training group. And that is sometimes said for a couple reasons. And some of them are because they want to make sure that you're focusing a lot of your attention or on their particular coven. Or they may also say this because they don't want you to get confused with like what they're training, with what another training is doing, things of that nature. What I'm talking about though, and what the red flag is, is if you're training with somebody and let's say every year you volunteer at a pagan pride festival in your area. And you decide that you want to go hit up a local coven to engage in some training with them. The red flag is if that coven tells you, oh, sure, you're welcome to come train with us, but you're not allowed to be talking to the people that you know from Pagan Pride, or you're not allowed to be talking to other witches, or you're not allowed to volunteer in Pagan Pride anymore while you're training with us because we don't want you talking to any other pagans outside of who we want you to talk to. That is a red flag. That is not okay. All right. That should not be happening. If somebody is telling you that you are not allowed to talk to your other witchy friends, if you're not allowed to volunteer at pagan pride festivals, if you're not allowed to associate with any other pagan groups, no, that's no, no, red flag, red freaking flag. It's also worth noting that some groups actually encourage their trainees to be involved in other forms of paganism to see which one that they like better to see if like the group that they're with is actually the best one for them so yes it is it's bullshit it's also bullshit if they tell you that you're not allowed to talk to other people because it can harm you spiritually if you talk to somebody who's not involved in the training of the coven that you're in that is bullshit guys Oh man, I can tell I'm going to get heated through the rest of this episode. This is going to be fun. But yes, that is a red flag. If somebody is telling you you can't talk to other people, that's that's, that's cult behavior, guys. That's, uh, no. All right. Yeah. So I'm going to move on to the next one. <laughs> next is if they're asking extremely personal information from you. 
if they're asking you for things though about like your birthday maybe to look up some astrological information like that's one thing that's not uncommon for coven's to do but if they're asking you about your social security your address what doctors you go to what medications that you're specifically on eh, that's a little invasive also, if they're asking you to stop your medication or telling you to stop seeking professional help, if you are currently seeing a therapist, for example, uh, no, that's no. Coven leaders are spiritual leaders, but they are not medical doctors. And if they are also medical doctors, they're probably not your medical doctor. So you need to be following what your actual doctors say. If your coven leaders are trying to tell you stop taking your medication, you need to tell them that you're going to stop seeing them. The other thing I want to add as a red flag is if you are meeting with a coven for the first time, they're speaking of these grandiose magical acts that seem straight out of Hollywood and as if they're actively trying to impress you. Uh, That could be a little bit of a red flag, especially if you're just meeting you. It's like, are they trying to impress you or are they trying to make themselves sound good? Why are they doing this? Do they really, like, did this really happen? Why are they boasting themselves? Because a lot of coven leaders are told to be humble. It's an attribute that a lot of people should probably encompass in the witchcraft community. If you're meeting somebody who's not humble and it seems like they're just collecting students and it seems like they're trying to make it sound like they've had the most magical life ever and they're trying to impress you with this, especially when you're first meeting them, it's a little weird. You don't tend to give away all the secrets and the mysteries and the cool ass experiences on day one. So eh, I'd be a little wary about that. I'd also be wary if in this conversation or just outside of this, if you feel pressured or forced to join their group, that should not happen. In the Gardnerian community, and I'm sure Alexandrian too, we have a thing where we do not recruit people. People, if they, if people are interested in joining a coven and going on this path, they have to do the legwork themselves. So as a Gardnerian, hearing of people being pressured to join a coven or feeling like they're forced to join this group, that's really freaking weird to me. Okay. <laughs> Wiccan groups, paganism, witchcraft, it's not for everyone. And not only is it weird on your end, but it's weird just thinking about this. Like if I was leading a coven, for example, and forcing somebody to join when I don't fully know their personality, I'm meeting them for the first time. Yeah, that's that's weird. <laughs> On that, if somebody offers you membership into the coven or initiation immediately, eh, 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 red flag. <laughs> if they don't really know you, if you don't really know them and they're already trying to have you come to a coven, which is an intimate setting, yeah, no. I will mention that being offered membership or initiation, that's, this is different than an outer court or a trial period. So you may be offered to join an outer court, which let me specify an outer court versus an inner court real quick. So an outer court is a training group that people are in prior to joining a coven. When you are initiated into the coven, this is an inner court. Now I'm speaking traditionally, or I'm speaking in a traditional sense. This might not be the case for an eclectic coven, for example, or a different tradition, but this is just my experience with it. If you're offered a trial period and you can come to a couple coven meetings and see how you like it, that's a little bit different because you're not being offered a membership. But if you're being offered to initiate the next freaking day, or even within the next couple weeks, uh, that's a little bit of a red flag. Why are they doing that so quickly? Now, I will point out that it's almost a little humorous that I'm saying this because back in the day when covens were trying to become more populated in America, 
they used to initiate people just on the fly after knowing them for not that long. And this actually still happens today. Some groups do initiate members after knowing them for sometimes just a short amount of time. Doesn't necessarily mean it's always a red flag, but you kind of got to be smart about this. If you're just meeting somebody and they're already offering you to be the high priestess or the high priest of their coven when you've known them for less than 72 hours, yeah, that's a little that's a little odd. But if you're with a coven that, say, it's respected elders of a community, you vet, vetted them, like you have talked to people about the coven, people vouch for them, which I'll talk about that a little bit later in this episode. They seem respectable, they seem honorable, and they do want to initiate you and they have a reason of why they want to initiate you quickly. So for example, maybe they're a little bit older and they don't want to be spending a a year or two to get to know you first. Maybe they just feel right off the bat that you're a great fit for them. That is a different situation. What I'm strictly talking about is if people meet you at a Starbucks and the next day they're like, oh, hey, we're going to initiate you next weekend at three o'clock, you know, then you're going to be the leading high priestess of our coven. Yeah, no, red flag. So related to that, if you are offered a leadership position through an initiation right off the bat, this can sometimes be a red flag. But let me actually break this down because this is not always a bad thing. Sometimes covens are just starting out and they may need somebody to fill a certain position, such as an acting high priest or high priestess. But there is certainly a difference between being asked to fill a role while being trained for it because there's no one else there to fill the role and they're starting up versus just being offered it because they want you to be one of the leaders. Use your intuition here. Does it feel genuine? Does it feel weird? And also keep in mind that dedications are a thing and this is not a red flag. And this can go back a little bit when I'm talking about the being offered membership into a coven. So a dedication is when you are involved in a training group and they ask you to perform a ritual to dedicate (laughs) that you are committed to the group. That's not saying that you're being initiated into the group, but it's more of a dedication to the outer court and the gods that you're training with and dedication to this path overall. That's not a red flag. That's something that's completely valid. It's completely a thing and you don't need to run when it comes to that. The next red flag I want to talk about is being asked to pay for your membership or to pay your way into higher ranks. So In general, just asking for money for coven membership is a red flag. Now, asking for a few dollars here and there from a coven leader to help chip in for a nice bottle of wine, or if a coven leader asks you to help bring the candles for the next meeting, or maybe take turns with some of the other students of bringing post-ritual snacks, (laughs) or like maybe they ask you to bring the charcoal or the incense for the next coven. That is completely different, but you as the student should not be expected to furnish the entire altar or pay for everyone's meal. Generally, teachers will be the one to take on those expenses, not the students. But it's also completely fine as a student to ask if you'd like or if you'd be able to help bring something for the next meeting. I know when I was in outer court, I really liked to help bring some of the snacks, but I knew it was never a full-on requirement and that if I didn't bring the snacks that day, if I accidentally forgot them at home, or if I really just couldn't do it, there was always a backup. It was never put on me as a student to have to have that responsibility. That was on the teacher. So if you're being asked for two, three dollars, if they want to get a really nice bottle of wine for that ritual, if you're being asked to bring a candle... That's not unreasonable, but if you're being asked to pitch in large amounts of money, if you're being expected to essentially furnish the altar every single time, 
That's not okay. That is absolutely a red flag. And the same goes if they're asking you to pay monthly dues for membership. Well, let me actually specify that. This isn't a traditional sense like Kerfer Gardnerian or Alexandrian training. You should never be asked to pay to get this training. The training should always, always, always be free. If somebody is asking you for payment for training, um, please report them. <laughs> you can go to the Gardnerian or Alexandrian Seekers and Initiates Facebook groups and you can report them to the admins because that's not supposed to be happening. That's a red flag. There are some covens out there, eclectic covens perhaps, where they do charge monthly dues. Maybe, I, I honestly don't know because I'm not in an eclectic coven, but I've heard of like maybe five or $10 a month or something. I don't really fully agree with it. If the money's going back into the coven itself, sure, that's fine, I, I suppose. But if you're being asked for something unreasonable, um, and when I say unreasonable, I mean anything above $10, quite honestly, anything above five actually per month? Yeah, no, not about that. Also, if you're finding groups where you can get these higher ranking degrees by paying whatever amount of money it is, it honestly doesn't even matter whatever amount it is. Yeah, this is not a pay per degree type of thing. Witchcraft does not work like that. You can't fully unlock the up for mysteries if you are being expected to pay for them. That's not how this works. It is experiential tradition that you get through hard work, dedication, and practice, not by paying your coven leaders $200 and writing them an essay about why you want to be elevated. That's, no, that's not right. In general, if they're asking unreasonable things of you or demanding ridiculous requests of you, that's also a big red flag. And one of the biggest red flags is them being sexually forward with you. So this is where it's important to try to look up the coven leaders that you would be training with. And this can be a bit tricky sometimes as people give craft names or they might have private profiles, but I would recommend to try to see if you can find out at least a little bit about them. You know, if somebody is being vouched for as a legitimate coven leader and they have a legitimate coven, this doesn't always mean that they have a personality that will mess with you. Use your intuition. Do they seem okay on the surface level or do they see a little creepy? Are they doing a lot of sexually forward jokes to you or statements to you? Or if you're not okay with that, then that could be a red flag for you. If you are okay with that, you know, cool. Absolutely no judgment here. And perhaps that wouldn't be a red flag for you. Perhaps that would be a good fit for you. But not everyone is down with, for example, seeing public posts about their potential coven leaders saying that they wish that they lived in an orgy house because this can leave a very bad taste in a student's mouth and could be a red flag for that person and potentially the type of coven that they would be running. Again, if you are into that, absolutely no judgments here. What somebody's into sexually should not have any sort of influence on the type of coven that they are running. But it's important to note that when you're getting involved with a training group, it can take some time to get to know the personality of the people who are running it and vice versa. And if there are a lot of sexually charged public posts for all to see, then perhaps it can give the student a small insight into the personality of the leaders. But with that, what I'm saying is that's very important to feel the per people that you're training with. And if you get bad vibes from the start or if there are things they engage with that you aren't into or that you dislike, it likely isn't going to be the group for them. And I'm going to say this very clearly, very loud, that sex is absolutely not a requirement for initiation into the Gardnerian or Alexandrian traditions. Not now, 
not ever. And if anybody ever says that it is, if anybody ever implies that it is, if they're being creepy as hell, run. Oh my God, run and run to the Facebook forums that are associated with these traditions and please tell the admins and report these groups for that because that is absolutely not okay. All right, so now that I've gotten that out of the way, uh, let's move on to the next red flag, which is the topic of emotional manipulation. And I'd like to point out another red flag that actually goes hand in hand with this. So here we go. In general, if somebody is in a position to be a teacher, they should have at least a baseline level of their life together. And what I mean by this is that they should have a stable covenstead, a stable job or financial situation, or at the very least, a stable teaching schedule. It's a red flag if, as a student, you are having your teacher or any of the coven members pressure you into doing things that's ridiculous, like buying their groceries, watching their children, insisting that you give them a ride to meetings. Now, it is a completely different situation if you are offering to help them out, if you happen to have a great friendship, and if you notice something without them bringing it up. But you need to make sure that you are not being emotionally manipulated. When you're a student, there should be a boundary between you and your teacher. Yes, you're looking to join them and eventually have this familial bond per se, but when you're there to learn about witchcraft from them, it can be a really awkward and unfair situation for the student to be in if they're constantly being asked to help shelve the bill for groceries for the coven leaders or help chip in for a vet bill or being asked to babysit when as a student, you are not there for that. There is a power dynamic that comes into play when you have a teacher and you are a student. I frequently talk about how you shouldn't put your teachers up on a pedestal because ultimately they should become your peers one day. But I can also understand that when you are a student, it is hard to not want to please them as much as possible because you want them to like you and vice versa. You want to show that you're a good student and you may not want to say anything for fear that upsetting them or disagreeing with them will cause you to be kicked out or not offered initiation or anything like that. But you should never, ever, ever feel fear as a student. If you are scared to say something to your leaders or to a coven member for fear of them disagreeing with you, that is a red flag. If your coven member is asking you to babysit their children and you're scared to say no, or if they're asking you to buy them groceries and you didn't sign up for that financial situation because they are not your children. They are a coven member or a coven leader. Uh, that is a red flag. None of that should ever take place when you are in training to learn about witchcraft. And just in general, if you have an issue that you've noticed with your coven leader, if you feel scared to bring up something that bothered you that they did or an action that they took or something that they said or what have you, that could be a red flag of maybe the type of teachers that you have because you want to make sure that when you're in a coven, you are going to be comfortable and that you're going to trust these people. But as a student, if you're terrified to tell them that something they did bother you out of fear of retaliation, out of fear of something happening, like thinking they're going to hex you, which I'll get to that in a moment, but uh, things of that nature, then that might give a little bit more insight into the type of coven and perhaps the personality of the people that you're learning from. And perhaps it may not be the best fit because it might very well be a red freaking flag. <laughs> yeah. 
All right. Uh, another thing on the topic of ridiculous requests is if they're insisting that you take expensive classes that perhaps maybe uh-huh, only they happen to offer these expensive classes. Yeah, that's a red flag. Another one is if they're always talking about drama, mm, there's an issue there. If they're always talking about some beef that they've had or to the, another coven or an ex-student, an issue that they had, and that's all they really seem to focus on, eh, that's a red flag. You as a student are there to learn about witchcraft and their tradition and their practices, not to hear about their issues with another group. And if they're discussing this fully with you as a student when you're there to learn, uh, just imagine how much they're going to talk about this after your initiation. Okay, so the next one is going to be, this is going to be an interesting one. So another potential red flag can involve sky clad practice, which is also known as ritual nudity. Now, here is where you may get some very different opinions on this, but uh, this is my opinion on this whole situation. So if somebody is asking you to go sky clad when you are still involved in their outer court, I would be wary about this. So it is known in Gardnerian and Alexandrian tradition that sky clad practice and inner court happens. So usually people work up to that. So if they're asking you to go sky clad in their outer court, I would personally think that's a red flag. If they are insistent about it, I'd be wary about it. Now, let me preface this by saying I have heard of some people who did have a sky clad outer court and I have met some people who have been completely fine with this. And I've also heard of people who wouldn't allow any students in their outer court if they weren't comfortable with the idea of skyclad practice pretty early on. I plan to have an episode just on skyclad, but here's my quick two cents on this. I was absolutely not comfortable with the idea of skyclad practice up until the 11th hour. And actually, probably up until a few hours before my actual initiation on the day of the initiation. By some coven standards, I would have never been allowed to be their student and I would have never become the witch that I am now. And that's okay because covens are autonomous, meaning that they have their own way of running. Yes, even ones that are involved in a tradition. Traditional covens such as Gardnerians or Alexandrians have their own specified way of doing things. But when it comes to things like outer courts or timelines for initiations, etc., covens can do pretty much what they want. And this is where finding a coven that fits for you comes into play. But back on the Skyclad topic, if a coven is forcing you to do this prior to initiation, then I would say that this can be a red flag with exceptions. As I said, every coven works a little bit differently and everyone in the coven has different comfortabilities. If you are a naturalist by trade and happen to find a coven that also has members that are all naturalists, then this is not going to be a red flag. If you're indifferent to the idea of skyclad and don't really care and perhaps it's brought up that like, hey, would anybody be interested in doing skyclad in outer court, then this might not be a red flag for you. Where the red flag comes into play with skyclad practice is when you're being coerced into doing that without absolute consent. That's the red flag. Skyclad practice, by note, is not inherently sexual and it's not uncommon to see happen in the witch communities. But it should be a choice. It should not be something that's forced onto you. You should not feel pressured into doing it. And if you are being pressured into it, if you are being forced into it, that's the red flag. So that's kind of my two cents on it. Being in an outer court that does do skyclad practice is not inherently a red flag if you are completely okay with it. But if you're being forced into doing that, 
I personally would think that's a little bit of a red flag. But again, every coven is autonomous. Your mileage may vary. This is just my own personal opinion on it. So let's move on to being uncomfortable because being uncomfortable is not always a red flag. And in fact, it's actually, my opinion, hard to grow without being a little uncomfortable. And I know for myself, this was certainly the case. So when I did go through with Skyclad practice, while it was absolutely of my own consent, damn, was I certainly a little uncomfortable in that moment as most people are. That doesn't mean that I was experiencing a red flag moment. You know, your teachers may gently guide you to do things that may make you uncomfortable, such as shadow work, which is a really hot topic right now in the witchcraft world, or practicing skyclad just by yourself at home, or leading a ritual for all of your fellow students and teachers to be engaged in. And trust me, this can be a little anxiety producing to say the least, (laughs) but these are not red flags. If you're always comfortable, then my opinion is you're not going to learn or experience something new. Pushing your boundaries is something that can be expected when you're joining a training group or a coven, and this is not outside the norm, but this shouldn't scare you. You know, that being said, it is important to know your limits and know where your boundaries are. But as somebody who has gone through some boundary pushing ordeals, I'd say that while yes, it is important to keep true to yourself, I would say let your boundaries be pushed a little bit. You may be surprised at how much you grow or what you learn about yourself in doing so. As I said, I personally think that if you're always comfortable, that nothing is going to change. And this goes outside of witchcraft. This applies to regular life as well. You know, If you want to get your hands dirty in witchcraft, it's not always going to be all love and light. Witchcraft is going to challenge you in ways that you may not have expected, both emotionally and spiritually. But uh, guys, I promise you, so long as you're not with some creepy predatory people, it will be worth it in the long run. And you'll be so glad that you went through with it. And if you don't feel that way at the end of everything, or even when you're starting, You are always, always free to step away at any time. And any respectable coven leader will respect this and honor your decision if you decide to leave. Don't ever feel pressure that you have to stay with something if you're not completely comfortable or completely committed to it. All right, so speaking of commitment, I do have two things I want to say about this. So first, for those who worry about not having enough time to commit to a coven, if you are potentially interested in joining one, but you think, oh, you know, I have all these things going on in my life, like I just don't think I can do it right now. I want to point out that coven leaders often have families and full-time careers as well. But it's okay to admit if you don't think that you'll have the time. If you're already involved in an outer court and realize that it won't be something you can keep up with, you are more than welcome to leave. And if you feel scared to tell your leaders that you need to leave for fear of something like them cursing you or hexing you or just yelling at you, then they were huge red flags to start with, and I am proud of you for trying to leave them. Now, I hope this does not apply to anybody who's listening to this, and I hope that those who are seeking outcomes all have found wonderful people to talk to, but if you're in a situation like this, and if you're scared that you'll be hexed, I recommend trying to find somebody you could talk to about this. If they're part of a vouched lineage tradition, definitely let the admins know. In the meantime, I'd recommend trying to look up how to make a witch bottle, which is something that might be discussed on a future episode, so stay tuned for that. But yeah, so my second item regarding this commitment is that covens become a very important part of your life and do become a very large commitment. And I will even say that it wasn't until I was initiated that I 
fully understood how big of a commitment this was. But I love what I do. I love my coven. I love my friends I've made from the community. I love all of it. But I also want to say that I'm single. You know, I don't have children. I don't have any other big pressing commitments outside of my career. So for me, while I do have a full-time job, I am able to commit a larger part of my life to this and I'm very happy to do so. But I recognize that not everybody may have that same freedom per se, I guess you can say. With that, I do want to point out that I think people can get a little anxious about trying to reach out to join a coven because they may think that, oh, you know, I have my kids, I have the dogs, I have my job, I have my hobby, I'm not going to have time for a coven and they're going to reject me right off the bat because I already feel that I have all these things going on. I want to just remind people who may feel this way that the coven leaders that you're going to be talking to most likely are also parents. They're likely also involved in a career. They probably have things that they do outside of the coven for hobbies. While they are a witch, technically all the time in their life, you can't stop being a witch. That doesn't mean that they are practicing witchcraft and living this magical coven life 24-7. And in fact, many of us enjoy being involved in the mundane life because it makes being involved in witchcraft that much more special. So what I'm trying to get with this is that while yes, you may think or feel anxious that your schedule is a little bit too busy to be involved in a coven, I just want to remind you that the people who are going to be leading the coven, are they're also going to be leading regular lives with regular careers and regular time commitments. So, you know, as a student, you are going to be asked to make the coven a priority, but it is a red flag if your teachers are insisting that the coven comes before important obligations such as your own family, your job, or even your education if you're still in school. So with that, sacrifices may be asked of you when you're in a coven. So for example, let's say that your outer court or your coven meeting meet every Friday night or every other Friday night. And let's say this is pre-corona. So you know that you have a standing coven meeting on Friday nights. So that might mean that you might have to sacrifice going to a party in lieu of attending to be able to go to your coven meeting. This isn't a red flag if they're expecting you to go to the coven meeting. The red flag is if your coven leaders demand that you do something ridiculous, like skipping your classes or leaving work early. Maintaining your membership and attendance will be asked to be a priority, but ultimately, it should not engross on your important personal obligations. And if you're Wiccan, there's a saying that I've said a bunch of times to the people that I'm involved with, and it's that the gods are not going anywhere, guys. Like, they're they're there. They're not going anywhere. <laughs> you know, if you need to take some time off to get your studies straight, you need to focus on your marriage or your family, you might need to spend some extra time at work, the gods aren't going to go anywhere. You can come back to them whenever you have free time. But it is polite to let your coven know what's up before you may need to take a leave of absence or before exiting the coven altogether. So you may be asked to make some sacrifices in order to be involved and maintain your membership and your attendance in the coven, but coven leaders are people too. We have jobs, we have families, we have obligations, and you will be asked to make this a very important commitment in your life, but Don't be anxious to reach out to a coven member because you're scared about your schedule. Be honest with yourself and be honest with your coven leaders, but don't let having a life get in the way of spiritual development if that's something that you really want and that's something that you're really looking for. So now with this all said and done, how can you know if the coven that you are inquiring about is legitimate? 
Well, luckily, if you are looking for a Gardnerian or an Alexandrian tradition, there are Facebook groups for that where you can message any of the admins to request a vouch for the group or the coven that you're involved in. So if you're interested in the Gardnerian page, the Facebook group name for that is Gardnerian Wicca Seekers and Initiates. And if you're interested in the Alexandrian page, the page for that is called Alexandrian Wicca Seekers and Initiates. And those are just both Facebook groups and make sure you answer the questions if you're trying to join those groups. <laughs> but yeah, so if you have a coven that claims to be Gardnerian, I'd recommend doing two things. And I'm only really speaking from the Gardnerian perspective because I don't know so much about how the Alexandrian works, but I imagine it's very, very, very similar. If you go in the Gardnerian Seekers page, there is a file where you can look at the covens that are everywhere. It's, it's a global file. And I'd recommend if you're in a coven that claims to be Gardnerian, but you're experiencing these red flags, or just in general, if you're in a coven, a coven that claims to be Gardnerian, I'd recommend doing this anyway. Go in the file, see if you can find your coven listed on that page. If you cannot find your coven listed on that page, that might be a problem, but not every coven's there, so possibly not. The next step that I'd recommend for you to do, and I'd recommend for you to do this regardless of if your coven's on the file or not, would be to message any of the admins or post in the group asking if they can vouch for the validity of that coven. They will let you know if that is a valid Gardnerian coven or not, which is incredibly important. That's how you could know that your coven is legitimate. Now, if you're involved in a different tradition, like I want to say Blue Star has a website with perhaps people you can contact. I'm not entirely sure, but I want to join or go to Eclectic Covens. So Eclectic Covens are a little bit different because Eclectic Covens can do whatever they want. <laughs> they're, they're eclectic. So what I would recommend to do is look at other covens in your area. You could do this via the website Mandragora Magica, which I'll put a link to this in the bio, and you can see what other covens are around you. And my best advice would just be to message the other covens and be like, hey, have you heard of this coven? Is there anything you can let me know about it? But regardless of what the response is, sometimes you may need to take this with a grain of salt as not every coven gets along for whatever reason. You know, that's on the covens, whatever. You can also maybe go to local witchcraft shops and ask if they've heard of certain covens and their impressions of it, or if they've heard of perhaps not the coven name, but maybe see the coven leader's name or their craft name if it's a public craft name. That's kind of just the best advice I can give if you're looking for an eclectic coven, unfortunately. But yeah, so try to see if your coven's legitimate. If they're claiming to be part of a tradition, definitely ask them for their credentials. Honestly, you know... It, I will say it's a red flag if your leaders, especially in a tradition, <laughs> if your leaders are upset that you're going to vouch for them on like the Gardnerian or Alexandrian pages, for example, that, yeah, that, that's a red flag. Any respectable coven leader is going to be more than happy and honestly might even be a little proud that you would look to vouch them. So if somebody's getting upset that you're trying to verify them, mm, I'd pay attention to that. Why are they going to get upset? All right. You know, what do you do then if you find a coven that's not legitimate or if you find a coven that you've been kind of training with, but you're not really getting along with them? You know, what what are your what should your next steps be? I would say don't feel limited to the covens that are only in your area, because sometimes the coven that's down the street from you, you might not get along as well with them as the coven that's three hours away from you. And yes, I said three hours. <laughs> traveling is a very, very, very common thing for coven training. I know of people who've traveled to a different country for training. So if you have the means to do it, you have the availability and you can travel, I'd recommend it. 
it's kind of a rite of passage for a lot of witches, I would say. It's very common. Um, if you have a coven that is within walking distance or less than 30 minutes away from you, I'm going to say you're pretty goddamn lucky. <laughs> Honestly, I, I would I would bet some money that the majority of people who join covens, that's not the case for them. But all right. Yeah. So that is it for my list of red flags. Thank you all so much for listening to this. I want to give a quick announcement that if you are experiencing any of the red flags that I have mentioned this episode, please know you are not alone. You know, there is an entire community of witches out there. If you have a way to report it to maybe a sister coven that the coven's involved with or higher up, or if they're part of a tradition and you can message the admins, please do so. You're not alone in this. There are unfortunately predatory people out there in the witchcraft community. We're not immune to it. It happens everywhere. It's not just because we're practicing witchcraft, but it's because unfortunately it's a reality of life. So you got to use your intuition. You got to be smart. And please, if you have a way to report them, if they are engaging in some predatory behavior, they are engaging in some major red flags, please try to tell somebody, let somebody know. All right. Well, thank you so much for listening. Um, I'm going to talk about the giveaway in a moment if you're interested in listening to that. I have some really awesome stuff, so I'd recommend it. But in the meantime, if you want to find me on social media, there's a couple different ways you can do it. You can find me on Instagram at Seeking Witchcraft. You can find me on Twitter at Seek Witchcraft. You can find me on Facebook at Seeking Witchcraft Podcast. I also have a Facebook group for the people who listen to the show on on there as well called Witches Seeking Witchcraft. And if you're interested in supporting the podcast and joining the book club that we have in the official Discord server that's also associated for the podcast, um, you can do so by joining my Patreon, which is patreon.com slash seekingwitchcraft. And I'll have a link to all of my social media information and the Patreon in the bio for this episode. All right. If you're not sticking around for the giveaway, thank you so much for listening. But if you are sticking away for the giveaway information, here we go. First of all, thank you all so incredibly much for a million plays. Holy shit, guys. That's crazy. And I want to give a serious, serious shout out to the Patreon supporters. I'm recording this episode on a Blue Yeti microphone and have some really nice quality headphones. And this has all been possible because of your support. I mean, I am in shock and awe. <laughs> like, I, I, I honestly feel so honored and lucky and, and really, really thank you so much. I mean, a million plays is incredible. Um, but I, I'll get off my soapbox and start talking about the giveaway. <laughs> so I'm going to be hosting a giveaway as a thank you for the listeners. As of right now, I am still in the process of finalizing the giveaway items. I do have the majority of them, but I am waiting for a couple more to be sent to me. Once I get everything together, I'm going to be posting an episode that's solely about the giveaway and the giveaway items. I'm going to be going through what each of them are, what the shop is that's associated with them, or the author, or the artist, you know, hint, hint, <laughs> or the chef, hint, hint. <laughs> and uh, yeah, that episode's going to be all about that. I believe at the moment I'm going to split it up into three different prizes. Um, they're honestly some really, really cool things, guys. I promise you it's amazing. So stay tuned for an episode all about the giveaway prizes, which I will say the people on the Patreon got a first look at some of the things that are going to be offered. So if you're interested, feel free to join my Patreon and you can see it. <laughs> but absolutely no pressure at all. You, you guys are all going to find out what the giveaway items are anyway. So um, also real quick, I wanted to mention with the Patreon, we did just start a book club. So if anybody is interested in starting the book club with it, with us, we are going to be reading 
Elements of Ritual by Deborah Lip. And so far, we've had one meeting where we just read chapter one. We're only, it's only three pages. So if you're interested in joining our book club, you can do so by signing up for the Patreon. Um, you're able to sign up at any time and join in the book club at any time. But yeah, so that's pretty much all I have for you all today. Uh, thank you all so much for listening. It's been forever since I've done a solo episode. This is kind of exciting. I kind of forgot what it's like. <laughs> I'm going to try to have more solo episodes in 2021. That's a resolution for myself. I love having the interview episodes. I definitely have some more lined up for this year and some really awesome topics, but, but it's kind of nice just, you know, talking to you guys on myself. I miss you guys. (laughs) All right. Well, I hope you all have a wonderful rest of your day or evening or wherever you are listening to this. And I will talk with you all very, very soon. Bye. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BTW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Waiting on a tax return? Hopefully it ends up in your hands. Fraudulent tax returns due to identity theft increased by 30% in 2023. If you're in a bind this tax season, LifeLock can help. Our U.S.-based restoration specialists are experts dedicated to helping solve your identity theft issues. And all LifeLock plans are backed by the Million Dollar Protection Package. So we'll reimburse you up to the limits of your plan if you lose money due to identity theft. Help protect your information this tax season with LifeLock. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com slash aware. With LinkedIn Jobs, we tap into a network of more than a billion professionals to help you find quality professionals quickly and easily for any role you need. Marketing wizards? Found them. Software engineers? Found. That project manager I could never seem to hire? And found. LinkedIn Jobs quickly matches your roles with candidates with the right skills and experience. In fact, 86% of small businesses get a qualified candidate within 24 hours. Post your first job for free and get started at linkedin.com slash spoken. That's linkedin.com slash spoken. Terms and conditions apply.